We're going to try something different as we wrap up season number two of Unscripted with Mike and Chris as we welcome you to this 384th and again our season finale of year two and where's the time flown? It just seems so funny that we just started this a couple years ago on a hope and a prayer and here we are at 384 episodes and we close our second season with a special guest in studio this afternoon as we welcome to the program a fantasy football expert and the Detroit Lions number one (laughs) fan not living in Detroit. We welcome to the program Sean Nichols and Sean thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be here and uh, give us a little bit of a background as to why we proclaimed you a fantasy football expert. Well, thanks guys for having me. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to come in. Uh, you know, I guess I could say self-proclaimed, just, you know, you want to talk about, um, you know, having success in leagues and providing advice to others. I kind of, I've been probably doing fantasy football, I'm going to say since about 1999, um, back when, you know, the, the Sean Alexanders of the world were running the show on fantasy football and, um, you know, as Barry Sanders was finding his way out of the league, of course, if that will help you explain some of the number one fandom not living in Detroit routine. Um, but uh, I think since then I've I've run several leagues. Uh, I've had opportunities to jumpstart ep- uh, websites and things of that nature. It just hasn't quite panned out the way I want to. But, uh, you know, seeing you guys here today and kind of being on part of the podcast here, I really appreciate the opportunity to come in and maybe deliver some advice that people may not really consider when it comes to the fantasy football world. Now, don't take it personally, but we're out to kick your ass here today. So, (laughs) and it was a surprise because last year was the first time and I'll give you a little backstory. Um, When fantasy football was in its infancy, Mm -hmm. I was on the radio down in the States and people that have listened to a lot of the episodes that we have already produced of unscripted know my love and admiration of Ron Barr but and that's being very sarcastic um (laughs) but ron would not allow us to take or field questions in regard to fantasy football because it then he felt it when you're a nationally syndicated program he felt that it was showing favoritism to a certain team or organization so if we in the infancy of 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 fantasy football Mm -hmm. um i did not get the full effect of it because I was not allowed, you know, if people would call in and, and, uh, you know, they'd want advice about what I thought about the green Bay Packers at the time, you know, as an example, mm-hmm. I'd give that to them. But if they asked me about who I should draft or who they should draft for their respective team, Ron would just sit there in the, in the back and go, I don't want any of that stuff. So it kind of hamstrung us a little bit. But I want, before we get started on this, because as I understand it, Chris and I are going to be drafting a team versus your team. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. What I wanted to ask you, and I've, yeah. once I found out you were coming on the program before we get started, sure. I want to ask you, do you think, and I, I will tell you how I think, and Chris has heard this opinion before, but do you think fantasy football has changed the way the game of the NFL football has changed. Do you think fantasy football has had a big part of the change of the way I feel the game is played now because of everybody's love and admiration and wanting to be part of the game with fantasy football? Yeah, a million percent. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, the biggest thing I think about is from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. you look at the NFL and how it markets to its fans. It's generally considered this massive machine of marketing and, 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 uh, really trying to promote, you know, fan involvement and they have fans, like they do these things for fans all over the country, all over, uh, you know, the United States, but now they started coming up to Canada and they go right. to Mexico city and to London and, you know, how they market to fans is obviously incredible, but from the fantasy football perspective, um, it gives people an opportunity to get, uh, more, more involved with not just the teams that they may regularly follow and cheer for, but just generally an opportunity to learn more about the game and feel like they've got an investment in it beyond just watching, you know, me watching Detroit 16 games a year is wonderful, but I don't mind watching the New York Jets versus the Steelers on a, on a Thursday night game because maybe I've drafted one of their players and I've got some investment there. You know, it's it marketing's huge. And I agree with you, but yeah. I guess I'm also looking for the on-field product. I think fantasy football has changed the on-field product and the way the game is played mm. and the way the game is officiated and the way the game is basically orchestrated, if you will. This And the reason I say that is because fantasy football has made it an offensive game and they have made it, you know, imperative that quarterbacks throw a lot receivers catch a lot running backs run a lot Mm -hmm. it's just i think i think personally that because of of fantasy football and i don't think it's a bad thing i think excitement sells absolutely and points sell nobody wants to see a three nothing game that sucks people want to see 54 52 like the los angeles rams and kansas city chiefs last year but i think a lot of the way the game is played way the game is officiated has a lot to do with the uprise yeah. of fantasy football because people want offense. They want their offensive stars to shine. It's an interesting point. I kind of see it a little bit differently from the perspective of we've had this fantasy football machine going for so long that I think these kids that have actually come into the NFL, the younger kids that come in and play, um, they've grown up watching and playing fantasy football too. They've grown up, watch their parents and their family play fantasy football. And I mean, it's, it's such an attractive thing to be a Patrick Mahomes type player nowadays and to be a quarterback who can throw 400 yards. It's not just because he's successful in the NFL and helping making money, but fantasy football helps build some of that desire for the most talented players. I think who are growing up as kids to want to play in positions where they can be fantasy relevant. And, and, and realistically you look at people who talk about, you know, put me on your fantasy football team this weekend. I promise you, I'm going to get you 20 points. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And for kids that are 10, 12 years old, it's fantastic. Okay. So, um, out of the 12 teams, somehow we got pick number two and what? Sean got pick number three. <laughs> so, uh, Saquon Barkley went off the board at number one. Naturally. Uh, of course. So now, uh, Mike, we have a choice. Would you rather have Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara? I have a preference here. I don't know about you. Uh, I'd rather have Alvin Kamara. Would you really? Yeah. Really? Why is that? I, well, first of all, Alvin Kamara is going to be playing on a team that's going to be competing for a Super Bowl, and I think he's going to have more opportunity to see the football. Okay, if you think so. I, I, I like McCaffrey, but we will give McCaffrey to Sean then, and I will we will take Alvin Kamara. Well, I, I sincerely appreciate you guys, uh, you know, kind of making the draft happen for me. That's appreciated, because... Um, Christian McCaffrey is absolutely the pick at three, and it's not even close. Um, right now, oh yeah, at pick no at three, yes, no question. Yeah. At, in his point, at his, in his perspective, if Barkley and Kamara are off the board, there's no question that McCaffrey is yeah. the pick. The only other guy that would be considered that this year in in uh, fantasy would be Ezekiel Elliott, who of course is holding out right now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, 
I want to see what you guys think about that because Ezekiel Elliott uh, all of a sudden has gone back to Cabo again. I thought this thing was coming to an end. You know, they offered him top five money. Now they offered him top two money behind only Todd Gurley. And then all of a sudden I thought, okay, this is going to come to resolution. Then somebody, I don't know if it was Joe Thomas or somebody, tweeted out the other day, oh, hey, by the way, normally when you get... Uh, a new contract, and you're a top guy, you get paid 15, 20% more than the highest paid guy at your position. And then Zeke is out there retweeting that. So uh, I guess what I would ask you, Sean, is what do you think about the Zeke situation? It's I thought he was going to get this done right away. It's looking like it might be a while. You know, and that's really unfortunate. I mean, obviously, Jerry Jones doesn't remember the Emmett Smith situation from 93. If he did, he'd probably have this thing done and signed and get him in camp already. Um, clearly, he doesn't. Um, you know, and I got to be honest with you, I uh, I think it will get done because I think that's just, unfortunately, like Jerry does business and he will eventually get it done. I just, I, I he likes to do things the hard way. And, you know, <laughs> history repeats itself. If you don't learn from it, you're bound to repeat it. And, um, you know, the worst scenario could be that you get two games in, Elliot does get signed, and four weeks later, he's out with a soft tissue injury because he hasn't gone to camp, he's not in game shape, he's not in the shape he should be. Cabo is probably not well known for being a football training ground. <laughs> like, at, at least not at least not that I'm aware of. I've only been there once, and when I've gone there, it certainly wasn't, you know, to train for an NFL career by any stretch. So, um that's kind of how I feel about that situation. I think you bring up very good points. I think there's also a little bit of ego being played here. And I think that Ezekiel from the Ohio State University is still a little pissed off that Jerry said Ezekiel who or Zeke who. Yeah. I, believe, I believe that these – we're not talking about rocket scientists here. We're not talking about Harvard grads. We're talking about an Arkansas offensive lineman from the 60s in Jerry Jones, and we're talking about somebody that got, you know, the best set of 64 crayons he ever could to graduate for, and he didn't even graduate from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of ego involved here, and I think that Ezekiel Elliott, and I think your points are well taken, and I think you're absolutely right, and I do think a deal gets done probably about week two, the same time that uh, Emmett Smith signed in 93. Great point to go back to that one. But I think there's a little bit of ego involved here. And I truly believe that Zeke's still a little pissed off at Jerry Jones. Yeah, it's really, I really think that just on a side note, I just happened to peek over and notice that someone took Todd Gurley at number eight overall. Whoa, in this pick, so, um, that's risky. Not sure why. But here we are. Um, wow. I just wanted to kind of point that out. No, thank still you chatting for that. about that. I've just been side-eyeing it and happened to say, well, maybe, you know, is that a good talking point for us to come all the way back in the snake? Because that's where I kind of figured we might be having this conversation. But we're probably not going to have a conversation about Gurley when we're up to pick. I, I just don't think I'm touching Todd Gurley in fantasy this year. I mean, the thing is, I'm aware that other than maybe giving him 15 touches instead of 20 touches, he could basically be given a regular workload or they might totally give him hardly anything. Nobody knows. That's the problem here. Yeah. And that's what I'm really struggling with. And I just, I can't tell. I honestly, I'm just, I'm not sure. Mike, what do you think about Todd Gurley? If you had to guess, where's his usage going to be this year? I don't think he's going to be the bell cow this year. I, I really don't. Um, I don't know if he's still healthy. I don't know. I know Sean McVay is telling everybody that will listen that Gurley is ready to go for week one, but what do you expect the head coach of the defending NFC champions? What are you expecting him to say? You're expecting him to say just exactly that. But 
I don't think Gurley was healthy at the Super Bowl last year, obviously by his lack of usage in the Super Bowl last year. And I think with a healthy Todd Gurley in a game that ended up 13-3, to I believe a healthy Todd Gurley would have been a difference maker. And I believe that the LA Rams would have won. So I don't think he's healthy. And I would, and again, I don't know. I'm not as well adversed, adversed in fantasy football as you guys are, but I wouldn't touch him with a thousand football. All right, so uh, we're coming up here. So we are at round uh, two, pick number six. So Sean is at pick 10, and we're at pick 11. Uh, so who are you kind of targeting here, Sean? What do you think? What's coming up here? Well, I'm just having a quick look at the, the board and seeing what I, ex- you know, if I were to project how it happened, I'm actually going to probably have a very tough choice on my hands. Um, a lot of guys in this range right now strike you as very hit or miss. There's a whole lot of uh, maybe there. I see Antonio Brown coming up. I see Melvin Gordon for some reason still at 26. I see Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, guys that all, <laughs> yeah. you kind of look at everybody, you, you know, you're, you'd hit the draft button and then maybe pause for yeah. a second ago. wait, <laughs> are you sure? Mm-hmm. Um, because they've all got situational outcomes that could, uh, you know, could severely impact the draft. Now, looking at the pick that I've got my next pick, it appears the draft has not gone the way I had projected, and I'm actually going to have a very nice choice. It is actually going to be a very easy choice, mainly because I'm just going to, ooh, maybe I won't. Oh, and, and Antonio Brown just went off the board for some reason, so that's funny to me. So, but, uh, okay. So I'm up. looking. Sean is up now. I'm looking at a choice between Mike Evans in Tampa Bay or Carry On Johnson from my Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a tough choice um, when you break it down. Um, on one hand, I could go with Mike Evans because we've heard about the Arians' offense and how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. The other side of this is that there is basically no competition in Detroit for running time, um, you know, realistically. So my thought here is, what am I potentially going to get around the turn? Are there going to be some players there that make sense for me? And based on the fact that there definitely are, I am actually going to make the choice that Chris will probably be surprised by, and I am actually going to draft Mike Evans. Wow. Uh, I would then like to take carry on Johnson of the Detroit Lions if Mike has no objections. Uh, uh, that's an interesting pick there for sure. I, I know what you're talking about with uh, Tampa. So we will take carry on Johnson. And now someone named Dr. Lipschitz has two picks, and then it's back to us again. So let's see what Dr. Lipschitz does. Uh, who would he, uh, Fournette. he took for nets like, I know Mike likes for net. Uh, I expect okay. a receiver or a tight end well, to go I, off. The yeah. And now here. I think, Ooh, and now who went Amari Cooper, who I have no interest in. And, Oh, I love Devonte Freeman, but now we've already got two running backs. It is a PPR league. So receivers become more important because you get a point for every reception. Correct. We do have George Kittle and Zach Ertz, this number two and number three tight ends this year. We have a minute 12 to make a decision here. I do like Chris Carson this year. Marlon Mack could actually get more work now with no Andrew Luck, and he still has a great O-line. Oh, we have Mike's buddy Aaron Jones from Green Bay, but again, I don't know if we can afford to take another running back here. Um, In terms of wide receivers, I think we'd have to look at, we'd have to almost go down to Adam Thielen, I think, here. We'd have to look at. That's even worse than taking a yeah, so uh, boy, <laughs> it's, and, uh, it's pretty. Other than that, it's too much of reach, and I haven't, I haven't liked tight ends too early this year. Maybe we take Devonte Freeman. I just, uh, and then we go for receivers after. I don't know. It's a boy. That's a tough one. Well, you guys make your pick. I'll make my pick, and I'll happily tell you where the rest of this draft's uh, going from yikes. my perspective. Yikes! You know what? I just. Uh, I think any receivers I'm looking at are still a ways down, and if and if uh, we're not the you don't like Adam Thielen, 
Oh, I love Adam Thielen. He just plays for the Vikings. Okay. You know what? No. I think it's the more responsible thing uh, we're taking Adam Thielen. Good. Yeah. Okay. Especially in PPR because uh, he gets a lot of uh, targets, which is amazing for PPR. And he doesn't drop a lot. And um, and I think he is going to be the clear number one. And, and I think he's getting a lot more passes from Cousins than Stefan Diggs is so far. And I think that will continue into the season. No, I agree with that. It uh, it hurts me to say, but I agree with the with the uh, the belief behind it. And and I think regardless of the jersey he plays under, I do like Adam Thielen as a player, and I think he'll help our team. So I'm I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before I pick my pick, do you guys have any concerns that Dalvin Cook's going to take so much workload out of that offense that Adam Thielen maybe regresses fairly significantly? Zero. Well, I think they, for Minnesota to get to where Minnesota thinks that they should be. Um, they need Delvin Cook because, again, the worst $84 million ever spent in National Football League history may have been on Kirk Cousins. So I think, a lot of the, I think a lot of the responsibility will fall on the running backs and the receivers of the Minnesota Vikings moving forward to make plays that maybe they weren't expecting to have to make. I am not a Kirk Cousins fan, and uh, I think Ziggy Wilf, the owner of the Vikings, and his son Mark are starting to realize that right now. So I'm about to make my pick, and once I draft it, I will tell you guys what's going on with it and why. Okay, go ahead. I have chosen Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles as a first tight. Uh, is that you the first tight end off the board? Uh, second, Kelsey. Kelsey's Wentz. already gone. Okay. So this is a PPR league. This is an Eagles offense that looks absolutely scary. Um, Wentz has got a trillion options this year. He's got a second tight end. I've heard a lot of conversation about Dallas Gate. I think it's a Gator Godert. I don't even know how to pronounce Dallas the damn name. I can, pretend, I can pretend like I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, is Zach Ertz is easily the most reliable player in that offense. He's going to get potentially seven to 10 catches a game, regardless of what's around him. He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his touchdowns. And what I'm hoping this might do is solidify that I've got a tight end sitting available to me so that I've got a bit of that extra buffer because these tiers in the tight end game get very, very sticky after th- after the first three i've heard the rumors about some of the other tight ends here but i would just rather solidify this position now because i really feel like there's a lot of options when we get to our next pick that are going to be sitting there from a wide receiver and even from a running back perspective to help fill the roster out this is a really uncharacteristic year for me because typically i always take the number one tight end in the league i like having that tight end uh, just having that clear edge before even we look at other positions. I look at my matchup each week and I have Travis Kelsey or I had Jimmy Graham in past years on the Saints or I had Rob Gronkowski when he was at his best. And I've always liked having that. And this year, I have just found that there's a, there's more tight ends I like later. And also even for everything, everything's out of whack for me this year. Typically, I like to take Although we did do it this time, I like to take running backs early and the receivers later. I have found in a lot of my drafts that I'm taking receivers early. I want to get the stud receivers early. And then I'm actually finding a surprising amount of running backs I like in rounds three through eight. It's such a backwards year for me. So I can't blame you for the Zach Ertz selection because he's not only the number one tight end in that offense, but yeah, maybe the number one target overall. And he did set a record for most receptions by a tight end last year. So, I mean, PPR, how can you go wrong with that? Uh, I certainly can't uh, argue with that i know that mike has a pick for offensive player of the year you had mentioned it to me the other day are you still sticking with that well i think uh, and obviously this is a little bit bias driven but i i truly believe with how he, this person is so important in the offense i believe Devonte adams of the green bay packers is going to be a 
contender for Offensive Player of the Year because we have a lot of unproven wide receivers behind Devontae Adams. There is they Aaron Rodgers is a guy that obviously needs to have a you know a, a kinship, if you will, and he's got that with Devontae Adams. I think that was part of the problem last year is that they targeted Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams didn't play in week 18 last year, or week 17, whatever the hell it was, last game of the year. And he ended up being one reception short of the Packers' all-time one-season receiving record. And I think this year he abolishes that because there are so many questions in Green Bay. And for Green Bay to improve from 6-9-1 and one, uh, to hopefully, hopefully, after a two-year hiatus, I know that's that's normal in Detroit, but uh, after, a, <laughs> Saddle down. after a two-year hiatus from the postseason, yeah. we need Devontae Adams to probably have 120 touches this year, and I think that's going to put him in the in the discussion mm-hmm. for, for Offensive Player of the Year. It's, it's really hard to, to talk about this realistically, but there is actually a stat that I, I was looking at the other day, and Devontae Adams doesn't necessarily benefit from this, but we're going to see later in the draft, is, I'm probably going to give you a hint of what I want to do with some some of my picks is Aaron Rodgers is the fourth highest ever percentage completion in the slot. I did not know that yeah. until recently. Yeah. And so as much as it's great that Devontae Adams plays the outside and Rodgers is a gunslinger and that's who he is, Devontae Adams isn't really a slot receiver. There are a few others that have that opportunity. There's one specifically. Geronimo, Geronimo, Geronimo Allison. Allison is absolutely on my radar for and later And you know picks. what? That's a great... I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a great... Uh, you know, people... He had the the uh, core problem last year, missed most of the season. But if he stays healthy, he also has a good rapport with with Rodgers. I just don't know about the long term uh, availability of Geronimo Allison. The yeah. last couple of years, he's been nicked up. But when he's on the field, he seems to have a comfort level with Rodgers, and he would be their number one slot guy if he's healthy. Yeah. Okay, so the top-ranked guy in the draft right now, it's not our picks yet, but it is, oh, Marlon Mack, but he just went. But I do want to get your thoughts, Sean, on that, because that's the hottest fantasy question today, I think. Everyone knows T.Y. Hilton's going to take a hit. All of a sudden, Paris Campbell, who I like this year as an up-and-comer, he's not even uh, in anyone's radar at all. Uh, What do you think, with a great O-line and a decent backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett is a great backup. Maybe he could be a starter, I'm not sure. A great up-and-down roster. What do you think... Marlon Mack's fantasy prospects are going forward in the wake of Andrew Luck's retirement? You know, that's a really intriguing question. I can tell you just in the last 24 hours listening to some, uh, you know, looking at some of the ADP on Marlon Mack, it's actually dropped. Like, and I mean, Mm -hmm. like anchor style dropped. Um, He's going in the 50s in drafts right now. Um, You know, T.Y. Hilton's dropped for, you know, into the fourth and fifth round in drafts we've heard of as well. Reality for me is um, Jacoby Brissett has actually had uh, a quite a, uh, I'm going to say sort of a, a rapport that's built over training camp from what I understand with T.Y. Hilton. Um, I actually don't think Jacoby Brissett's going to have too much trouble throwing the ball, frankly. Yeah. It is a contract year, I believe, for Jacoby Brissett, if I'm right. Um, and so... I don't know that he's going to have the same opportunities and the same freedom with you know the fear of Andrew Luck uh, that was there. Uh, but I do still think he's a viable pick. I just don't see his prospects increasing. I think they're going to decrease. I admit that. 
I just don't see it being as dramatic as I think some people think it's going to be. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I still think he'll be a really solid pick. I think it's a great time to get some value on Marlon Mack because I was very high on him before. So, okay, uh, three picks away from you. And then, of course, we're right after you. Who are you looking at here? Gee whiz, I've got a couple of options. And um, I think I'm probably going to surprise some people with where I go. It's just going to depend on... Uh, um, what becomes available. There's one person in particular I'm really looking at, um, and I think it's going to leave you open to take somebody I know you've been talking about for a while, okay. Chris Fluke. Okay. Um, we're going to see in a second, though, so I'd love to surprise everybody that's listening uh, with how this plays out. I'm just waiting to see mm-hmm. which Team of... Steve, which... Oh, you're up. Uh, he took Sony Michelle, so it's, it's you're up. Um, I'm not sure who I want to take here, so well, there's a couple interesting ones. Ooh. Just... Yeah, there really are. Oh, wow. Actually, yeah. okay, there's a good wide receiver. There are some great options. And if you recall earlier, I was talking a little bit about, um, you know, getting some great value later um, in these drafts. And right now there's three receivers, all of which I could take for different reasons. There's Chris Godwin, who mm-hmm. is everybody's sort of fantasy um prospect this year Mm -hmm. i've already have mike evans so i'm gonna stay away from him that makes sense i've got tyler boyd here uh from cincinnati Mm -hmm. i think a lot of that is going to depend on who um or how much time aj green misses i'm not sure i love that but there is something i do know and what i do know is that derwin james has got three months where he is on the shelf and he's a safety for the for the la chargers i almost wanted to call them san diego can't blame you i always do when your defense takes a hit like that, it means there is a good chance you are going to have to play catch-up football more than the rest, and you have no Melvin Gordon. And this is why my draft pick at this pick is going to be Mike Williams. I knew it. Yeah, the big red zone threat. Perfect prototype receiver for the red zone, for the end zone. Beautiful. Okay, we've got the two Rams receivers, Woods and Cup. We have Chris Godwin. I have to say I'm kind of liking... Tyler Lockett this year. He is the only receiver in that offense. No? Okay, oh, Sean doesn't like him. I want to barf all over my microphone he, just hearing you even say he's that. He's a big play receiver. He does I don't like hey dude, I hate the Seahawks and my wife hates them even more. So I mean she doesn't want she won't want to hear this, but uh he is the only receiver in that offense. Uh, they're going to be mostly uh, worried about the run. He's great at getting open. He even returns kicks, maybe he gets the odd return touchdown for an extra six points in fantasy. Uh I I think I have to go with Tyler Lockett right here. I love Chris Godwin as well. I think he's ranked too high. I wish I was getting him as a as a sleeper later. And I love the Rams receivers, but there's a lot of question marks in that offense. Not just Gurley, but the offensive line. I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett. Knock yourself out, my there friend. There we go. Pro yeah. Football Focus is ranked Tyler Lockett last year as the least efficient receiver in fa- in football. Not fantasy football, in football, generally speaking. You're right. It's a one-man show. It's Wilson the Locket. I think we've kind of figured that out this season, and I have a sense that Seattle's going to be... I'm not thinking that Russell Wilson won't get his yards. I just don't think they're going to Tyler Lockett as much as everybody thinks they are. I think that's a bust, but we're allowed to have opinions, and that's what's cool about fantasy football, especially as you get between rounds four and the end of the draft, yeah, frankly. Uh, it is our pick again, and I have uh, a clear one I want on this. The most underrated PPR player every year. Kicks ass every year. In real life, too. And no one gives James White any credit of the New England Patriots. And the guy just does it all. He's just great at everything. And he, he's like a top 10 running back every year if you're playing PPR, which we are in this draft. And he's just always amazing. And he gets no credit at all. And I'm happy to take James White in PPR. 
It's from the University of Wisconsin, so all oh, things are good. Oh <laughs> all things are good. If you are just joining us now, do you have a pick to make? Uh, I do. I have a okay, pick. Okay, well, uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and then we got a while. Right. Between I'll hold off for a minute. You betcha. Um, lots of really good receivers still here. Lots of really good receivers. At the end of the day, I'm kind of looking at my queue. I've already got Mike Evans in place. I've already got Mike Williams. Zach Ertz is there. I could fill my flex spot now, or I could fill my second running back spot right now. And there, again, as a Detroit Lions fan, this is going to actually hurt me in the biggest way to take who I'm about to take. Stock is going up. His his work is probably going to be significant this year in the Chicago Bears offense with a Chicago Bears defense there. He is easily the best running back that I can see still on the board, even in lieu of some of the other ones that may or may not exist. And I've got some cool wide receiver options I want a bit later in the draft. So I'm going to do a bit of a reach on this one, and I'm going to grab the rookie running back out of Chicago, David Montgomery. Well, that's an uh, interesting pick, and it's very difficult for both of us for, for uh, different reasons. But uh, the Bears are going to be good. There's no question about it. But they're still a defensive-driven football team. But, again, I think the whole key for the Chicago Bears has got to be their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. If he can play at all, the Bears are going to be good uh, if they can put some points on the board with that defense. But if you are just joining us, I do need to make mention, especially for my friend out there, but I do need to make mention you are listening to our 384th episode and our season two finale here of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, and we thank you for joining us. And that third voice you've been hearing is a special in-studio guest that has been kind enough to take time out of his weekend to come down and join us here. We're talking about Mr. Sean Nichols, our fantasy football expert, and we certainly appreciate him, again, taking time and We'll uh, we'll even give him a pass for being a Lions fan. He's been through enough. They haven't been anywhere since 1954. So what's you know one afternoon with a Lions fan? But uh, you know this is fun. I don't have an, a goddamn clue what you guys are talking about. But if we're as good as we were last year, we'll be okay. Yeah, we won the we won the yeah, we won the league championship last year. So uh, that was fun. So uh, hopefully make it two for two here uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh yeah i'm in another league with sean where sean's the commissioner oh. uh, i'm working to put together my own league last second where i'm the commissioner any tips for me or for other want to be fantasy football commissioners out there what does it take to be a good fantasy football commissioner these days um well you know i could i could say first things first get paid by everybody but i'd rather not necessarily <laughs> go down that road um, that's not that's probably not the podcast we're hosting um, I, I think what it is is making sure that you've got everybody who um, is is into it a little bit, and if they're not, if they've never done it before, if they're willing to learn, you've got people in the league that you know um, aren't necessarily going to immediately see them as you know a, a free dollar amount, um, you know, for the league, a free amount into the pot um, that they're willing to help them and get better. I know we have a guy or two in our league that it was their first time they'd ever done it when we brought them in, and. Um, we kind of let them learn. We, you know, give them a little banter here and there. And, um, you know, people obviously want to make sure this is a, this is a fun league. Um, I think if you promote fun first and the opportunity to, you know, what you win second, I actually think you'll get more of the people who are, you know, kind of these first time folks that are into the game. Um, nobody's going to win their first one unless they're, I mean, if they do, you know, Props to you, honestly, because it does take some skill to win your first go around. But um, for those people getting into it, I think it's the camaraderie first. Um, you know, I don't, I, 
I got into a keeper league last to about two years ago um, with a guy that I knew. I didn't know many of the guys in the league, but I can tell you they were they're some of the the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, some of them don't live in the city of Calgary. I've got a few of them. One of them lives in Houston. One of them lives down in what uh, down in Dallas. Uh, one of them lives out east, out in Saskatchewan. Um, you know, but these guys are great. Even if you don't actually get a chance to see them or meet them, like they're, they've all been really fantastic. You get a group chat going. Um, but I think the best thing you can do is just make sure you get in with people that, um, you know, are willing to kind of give you the benefit of the doubt because fantasy football isn't fun when guys are, you know, when it's your first go around and people are pointing fingers at you, right? Ha ha, you made this pick. Ha ha, you made this pick. Yeah. I was actually part of a, of a fantasy draft last night where I'm the uh, mystery shadow GM for my one buddy where they think it's him on the computer and it's actually me. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And, and the one, the commissioner in that league, every time someone like someone picked Andrew Luck, you know, and so he's like, Oh, he just retired. And then Lamar Miller, Oh, he just tore his ACL, you know? And it was pretty funny. Like this one girl was asking what to do last night. And it was pretty funny because she said, so should I, because in general, I mean, you can draft backups for your tight end or your quarterback positions, but I generally don't, but you can, but, uh, she asked, Oh, so do I, should I draft? backup quarterbacks or tight ends and one guy said yes minimum two backup quarterbacks and all this it was was pretty funny but uh any nightmare stories I think I think you had mentioned one the other day like anything where just something was crazy or the commissioner was a fraud or something bad happened any nightmare stories to warn people about oh gee I could get into what happened last year with my keeper league I would just be I, I would be remiss to wonder if any of the other 11 players in my league who I'm drafting with tomorrow night might be listening real time right now. Um, we had our commissioner last year who decided not to pay us out as uh, victors. I wasn't unfortunately part of the winning group last year. Um, I was more of a deadline seller and that's going to help me this year in a keeper league. But um we had a, he, I mean, the winnings for our winner were over $3,000. It's an incredibly high, high stakes league. And, um, some, some concerns with the commissioner around payouts, um, some conversations about, you know, the bank and whether or not that person was necessarily, you know, in a position to pay out anybody. It was like a, you know, fraud and things of that nature. And we came to learn fairly quickly that, you know, that was probably a very exaggerated story. And we eventually did manage to get our money, but, um, we booted him out of the league by a unanimous vote. And at, you know, at the end of the day, the commissioner has to be responsible. Again, if you are just joining us, that is the voice of our special in-studio guest, Mr. Sean Nichols, our fantasy uh, football expert and no relation to our, our featured guest, Bernie Nichols. But, uh, it's nice to have uh, Sean here talking a little fantasy football as I sit here and kind of sit back and watch these two guys educate me on what is and isn't acceptable in fantasy football. And just a reminder, as we wait here to make our next picks for both Chris and my team and also for Sean's team, is that next week we will have our NFL preview and we will have another in-studio guest, Mr. Ryan Hall, who uh, is a bit of an antagonist of mine, and I appreciate his, <laughs> I appreciate his uh, candor. I appreciate his opinion, but I'm going to slam him uh, when he's in studio, <laughs> and we get to cross paths in the same room next week. I'm really looking forward to that, so I'm going to study up all week on that. And uh, are we getting close, or we are uh, getting yeah, close? Three picks away from Sean. Three then, picks away. So what are we forward. picking this time? Oh boy, good question. Uh, I, I mean. I'm finding, honestly, I'm finding this year, I am leaving tight ends and quarterbacks till the very end. You can get, there are guys like Philip Rivers for sure, but even like, 
even guys like Sam Darnold, who I think will be very good this year, even guys like Lamar Jackson, who even if they're not that great in real life, should be good in fantasy in terms of how they show up on the score sheet with lots of rushes and maybe some Mm -hmm. rushing touchdowns. So uh, it's really up to you. I mean, we do have to draft a defense and a kicker at some point. I am a strong advocate of doing that at the very, very end of your draft in literally the last two rounds. Some people say defense and kicker. I like to go kicker because I'm going to keep him all year. Defenses I like to stream. I'm totally matchup dependent on my in my uh, in my defenses and special teams. So that's the way I go. Anyway, it is Sean's pick. Who are you looking at? Well, there is a team that has the easiest strength of schedule for wide receivers this upcoming season. Their buy is unfortunately right in right in week nine, where everybody else likes to be, and that's a bit of a, an issue too. But I got to tell you, um, Julio Jones is not the only player in that wide receiver team. I would say that Calvin Ridley is absolutely the way to go, 1,000%. Oh, wow. I think I actually think Calvin Ridley is going to take some of the Julio Jones targets. It's year two. This is usually when you see a bit of an ascension for a wide receiver before the traditional year three where they usually kind of really figure it out. Um I've been looking at some of the options around here, and quite frankly, I think I can get better value later. Calvin Ridley, if I don't get him now, I have no doubt that whether it's you guys twice or whichever team is in front of me at team one is probably going to draft him. I don't have a choice. It's the easiest strength of schedule. Calvin Ridley is the go-to pick. I didn't realize Atlanta was that that easy strength of schedule for their receivers. That's great information, actually. That actually is very, very good. I love Julio this year, especially in standard leagues. So I'll be trying to get him wherever I can. Okay, uh, it's our pick. And uh, you were trying to figure out someone on Baltimore, Mike? Who are you trying to figure out? Uh, Justice I, Hill Justin, or something? Justin Tucker. The, the, oh, the uh, kicker. kicker for, yes. That's who I think is the best kicker in the game. And, and Sean and I would agree with you on that, yeah. I believe. And so that's great. But I mean, I, I just people can't take kickers way too early well, in this. Well, no, I'm just, I throw that one out there because this guy... This... Justin Tucker, to me, seems to be the offense for the Baltimore Ravens, to be honest with you. They win with Justin Tucker's leg, and they win with their defense. And I'm not totally sold on the, on the Lamar Jackson. I think he's too one-dimensional for the National Football League. I think that they, you know, they, obviously they, they're very high on him. You send a Super Bowl-winning quarterback to Denver, which I think is actually a good move for the Baltimore Ravens to rid themselves of Joe Flacco, whose best days happened in 2012, which is seven years ago. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think, and I needed to figure out and I couldn't remember, but the kicker that I was thinking about was Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I, I, I love him. And I know, uh, Sean does too. Okay. It's our pick. We've got 10 seconds up. Despite what I just said, I cannot pass up Hunter Henry of the LA chargers at this point. I love him. I love rivers. Sean mentioned earlier about the defense with no Derwin James for most of the year. And uh, you know what? I decided there, I were kind of in this middle ground where there's a lot of guys I don't really like that much. So at that, so when I get to those points, uh, one pick before us was uh, Aaron Rodgers was taken, unfortunately. So uh, that was too bad. I, but when you get into those big stretches where there's no one I'm that excited about, uh, I kind of leave it. But I actually go to your point. I don't like Baltimore's offense or defense this year, but you're right. The kicking game is strong. Actually, they have the best special teams in the league, and it's not surprising with John Harbaugh as a former special teams coach. Absolutely. Up and yeah, up and down. I think they did they get Cyrus Jones now, but anyway, they they've got anyway special teams all around. 
easily the strength of the Baltimore Ravens this year. Their defense will not be as good now that you got uh, one of the Smiths. You got uh, Darius Smith was the one that came from Baltimore, right? Uh, they lost Terrell Suggs to the Giant to the Jets. Pardon me. And so uh, Terrell Suggs is in Arizona with the Cardinals. That's right. Terrell that Suggs. Is C.J. Mosley went to the Jets. Pardon that me. That is sorry. true. Sorry, I got it. But those guys mixed up there. But anyway, yeah, this is not going to be the same Baltimore defense that usually so locked down at home. I don't believe they're going to be that great. And they're such an unpredictable team this year almost in the vein of Arizona this year, I'm not even that confident in Baltimore going in and playing the worst team in the league, the Dolphins, in week one. I don't even know what's going to happen there, so that's a weird one. But, okay, it is our pick and one pick. So, Mike, okay, I'm going to give you a choice here with three different receivers, okay? So who do you like out of these three guys? It's our pick now. we got a minute and a half. Um, Robbie Anderson, of the number one receiver for the Jets. D.D. Westbrook, the number one receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Or Will Fuller, the number two receiver, but still amazing for fantasy, of uh, the Houston Texans? Who do you like out of those three? Well, I think um, I'm not so high on the Jets guy. I think that there's going to be... I mean, there. I know this is year two of the Darnold experience, but I... Re- and again, I'm not too high on Houston because of Butchin running the whole operation down there. Bill, o- oh. Bill O'Brien, I'm not, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to leave this one to you. I don't really, uh, I, I don't really know enough about all three of them to make an educated guess. And so I'm going to leave that one to you. I'm just thinking that, uh, I guess of the three, I'm going with the guy from Houston because I believe more in Deshaun Watson than I do the other two teams quarterbacks. I agree too. I just love Will Fuller. I've always been a Will Fuller fan. And, uh, and that Kiki Kuti who was wasting, some of his targets last year. He's hurt again, seems very injury-prone. Robbie Anderson, D.D. Westbrook, I do expect good things from, and a lot of targets. Although Jamison Crowder, I think, will siphon off a lot from Anderson, as will Le'Veon Bell. So I do agree. I will go... Uh, we will make the pick here for Will Fuller the fifth of the Houston Texans. And now it is Sean's pick. That's not a bad pick, actually. Will Fuller's definitely got some potential. Um, so... Looking at your draft, you know, we're at about round, we're in round seven now. So round seven is about the point where best player available is always the nicest way to go. But at the same time, you may also want to look at your roster and see how it constructs itself a little bit. So I'm kind of looking at my roster. I see some heavy upside on my receivers. I see some great plays on my running backs. And obviously I've got one of the top, if not the top tight end, um, depending on how Kelsey does or doesn't play this season. I have David Montgomery as a second running back. Um, I would love to draft a receiver here. Um, For those people who are listening, I do want to say that in the same breath as I talked about Atlanta having the best strength of schedule for wide receivers, number two followed in that is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and D.D. Westbrook is the number one receiver. He is a third-year receiver, and that is an absolutely phenomenal pick here. Unfortunately, my team does not construct itself to be able to make that work. So looking at the best running back available that exists, I am looking 100% at the probable starter all year in Sandy for the LA Chargers, Austin Eckler. I could do that. I don't want to do that per se. Yeah, you know what? No, I got to do it. I'm going with Westbrook. And here's why. As much... Now, some people at home are kind of like this. I'm not as... I'm not a big 
big fan of having running backs and wide receivers on the same team. It's hard for me. You know, we talked at the very beginning about how does the NFL, like how does the NFL get impacted by some of this stuff? And you get to watch games. You wouldn't watch Jacksonville is not on my radar of teams that I can't wait to PVR or watch. <laughs> they just aren't right. I mean, watching Nick Foles run around is not exactly my identity of a fun sat- Sunday afternoon, but at the end of the day, I don't want to spend my time watching the LA charges and going, well, I really hope they put up 38 points a game because I need both their running back players and their receiver core to take care of business from a points perspective. So it's a good example of kind of how you can potentially trap yourself in the middle rounds when you see the best players available, knowing what you've got ahead of time. So I now have a bench spot being burned by DD Westbrook, which is a great pick as far as I'm concerned. I think that's great value in round seven. On the other hand, I am thin at running back, and I know that I'm going to be looking down the line, even though when I look down the draft, most of my favorite guys that I see are, frankly, still receivers. So if this tells anybody that taking running backs early is a benefit to you, I hope everybody's listening, because if you can get two running backs in the first three rounds or the first even two rounds, for that matter, you guys did that, right? You've got Kamara and you took on Johnson. I could go back to round two in time and wish I'd taken my boy from Detroit. I didn't, but this is where you run into trouble, right? So um, it's a good good choice that I feel like I made, but at the end of the day, I do feel like uh, I'm going to be looking at running backs a lot this season with this team when it comes to waiver plays. I think it's going to be difficult. I really do um, in this upcoming 2019-2020 season. I think it's going to be difficult for Nick Foles to enjoy the same success in Jacksonville than he did in Philadelphia. This is not an offense that's being designed by Doug uh, Peterson. Uh, We do know that uh, baloney boy uh, down in uh, Jacksonville, Doug Marone is a little limited with his offensive play calling ability. He doesn't have the same offensive line play that he did in Philadelphia. And I think that this is, you know, if, if you could carve out a perfect scenario for somebody, Nick Foles as a backup in Philadelphia was just about perfect. You come in, you look like a hero, you lead the team to a Super Bowl. You come in last year, lead a team on another deep playoff run after an ineffective and injured Carson Wentz. But it's not going to be that easy in Jacksonville for Nick Foles. And I do need to say this about Baltimore real quick. How is Baltimore's defense not going to be as good in 2019-2020 when you have a defensive (laughs) coordinator by the name of Wink Martindale? That sounds to me like a talk show host. Oh, he was a talk show host and a game show host back in the 70s, Wink Wink Martindale. So that name sounded familiar. Wink Martindale is a stud in in training guys. Baltimore's defense isn't going to be as good, but I can tell you the name is better. I love that. (laughs) Wink Martindale. It's not bad. Well, I always like to go over fun names with uh, my one buddy from back home. You get to kick out of weird athlete names. And uh, did you see the New Orleans Saints have a guy whose first name is Lil Jordan? As in, you know what, like, Lil Orphan Annie or something? Like, like L-I-L apostrophe Jordan is the guy's real first name. I mean... You clearly don't listen to rap music these days because <laughs> everybody is little something. Yeah. Yeah. What, and what's up with that, by the way? Why little something? Don't you want to be, like, notorious B-I-G? Don't you want to be big? Yeah, well, I mean, for those of us that are built a certain way, you know, like I am, I feel confident that, you know, big is the way to go. But at the end of the day, you know... 
It's a, it, it, it's a thing. I'm going to pretend like I know everything about it and I don't know a damn reason. Why. Look, this is what happens there when you... There is no... There's nothing I can say. This is what happens when you raise a generation in skinny jeans. You get the... Everyone thinking that Lil is better. Oh, I'm all about... Let's we're doing get, this today. Yeah, okay. let's... Hey, <laughs> now you're finding out why it's called unscripted. Yeah. And on our, on our last episode of the last recording session, we talked about threesome etiquette. So you know what? Well... This can go any way, this show. Well, I'll tell you. Um, you know... All the way back to the Ezekiel Elliott conversation, just to go back, because it's kind of, it's it's relevant from my perspective. Jerry Jones and Emmett Smith had this issue in 93. They had this thing that was going on. Anybody who knows who Emmett Smith is as a general human being, he's one of the most down-to-earth, one of the, like, he's just a good person, wholeheartedly grew up with good values. Like, he's, he was just that guy, and he held out less about... It was, it was less about doing wrong by the team, but more about really making sure that he got fair value for himself. Two games later, he I have no doubt that that decision is made partially because the team is suffering and not because he is per se, right? We saw Le'Veon Bell last year. I think it's a, I think it's a generation gap. I really do. Well, and I also think part of the problem in Dallas has been since 1989 when he took over ownership of the team. The problem, one of the problems with the Dallas Cowboys, and I've said this on Unscripted many times, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. It's maybe self-proclaimed, but the numbers show that they are the most viewed team in the National Football League. They have the most revenue. They, they, re, they generate the most revenue in the league. There are more jerseys worn around uh, football fans. More jerseys are purchased by Cowboys football fans. The problem with the Cowboys, with all the amenities and all the the access to success that they should have, there's a problem when the Dallas Cowboys haven't been in a Super Bowl in 25 years. That's very true. There is a problem. When you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, when you're the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, you're expected to suck. The Dallas Cowboys are expected to be one of the marquee franchises in the National Football League, and they have not lived up to that billing. And I got to tell you, it really started when Jerry Jones's ego would not allow him to be in the same room with Jimmy Johnson. And that was the beginning of the end. And there is a reason that the Dallas Cowboys have not even been in a Super Bowl in 25 years. They've got to clean that up. And you can just see the pattern. Jerry Jones giving it on to his son. And I, see, I still see the same inadequacies moving forward with the Dallas Cowboys. It's too bad. I hate the Dallas Cowboys, but it's good for the National Football League when the Dallas Cowboys are good and they're prevalent. And right now, again, they are not. Sean, on the clock. All right. So, um, I have to admit someone that I really wanted in this draft that I was unable to get Curtis to. Curtis Samuel. Not oh, I thought I'd get it there. You're close. Um, just kidding. You're not even close. It's Mark, Mark Ingram. Oh, okay. Uh, Mark Ingram, I really like the potential. I know you talk about the offense being there, but Mark Ingram might actually finally solidify who's yeah, going to run the so damn ball there. Be, yeah. uh, with that in mind, um, speaking of Mark Ingram, the place that he vacated is New Orleans. And when he vacated New Orleans, everybody thinks Alvin Kamara is going to be the guy. You guys drafted him. I think that's wonderful. I'm just almost out of spite, but also because I have a really good play here. I'm going to take Latavius Murray. And the reason I'm taking Latavius Murray is because there is actually the potential, and there's been a lot of talk at Saints camp about how Kamara is going to probably play the same role he's been playing for a couple of years now. And when you do that, that doesn't mean a volume increase. It means 
Kamara is good enough to be the second or third overall pick in a draft, but it doesn't mean he's good enough to be the first, and it doesn't mean that his volume is going to increase so significantly that he's going to win you a league. There is going to have to be a guy that can do that, and I had Dalvin Cook on my team last year, and I remember making sure Latavius Murray was in my lineup, and when I did... I was fairly thankful because even though it wasn't perfect, a lot of that was an offensive line that couldn't block. New Orleans has a better offensive line than Minnesota did last year, and Latavius Murray is going to run behind it when Kamara needs a break. It's not a bad depth play in round eight and yeah, in round eight. eight. And round eight. Not a okay. bad... So I just, the only person I saw here that I liked on this whole screen, I don't like to go too far off the board usually, but uh, I, I like Jamison Crowther this year playing the slot role in the New York Jets offense. Just I just went. I took him. Oh, you took him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you just went. Oh, just kidding to you. And Okay, so now we want Dr. Lipschitz to make his two picks, and then we've got our next one. So, um, you know, we're trying. I'm trying to, sh- I'd like to short up some receiver depth here, and in the same vein as we just took the slot receiver for the New York Jets, uh, and, I w- and I definitely want someone from this other team here, Maybe our next pick right now is going to be the slot receiver for the Green Bay Packers. But I want to give Mike a choice here. Who do you think? Because we're going to have a choice with one of these two guys here. I think I'm going to give you this because we got to have some Green Bay representation. Should we take, would you rather have Geronimo Allison in the slot or Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the number two receiver on the outside? Who do you think? Um... Right off the top of my head, I'm going to go with Geronimo Allison for the simple fact that uh, he's been around longer. Um, I think he's more in a position of need for the Packers. Um, I think that you can throw MVS out there and just let him go, and Rodgers will certainly connect with him. But I think a bigger target and a more important target as we try to get the Matt LaFleur uh, coaching regime started in the right way. And of course we picked a very difficult time or the NFL picked a very difficult time for us to do this, to open the season in Chicago against the bears defense. But I think overall the safer pick right now and the more profitable pip pick, excuse me, would be Geronimo Allison in uh, the, in that slot position. I think he's going to be mandatory for the Packers success. It's really, okay. really good. That's a really, really good play. Uh, and you're I, I up can, now. Yeah, and that hurts because that, that probably would have been the next pick in. So a um, couple options here. Um, Peyton Barber, I don't really trust uh, no. Tampa Bay to run the ball at all. No. Uh, a couple of really interesting running back options. Darwin Thompson in Kansas City is a fantastic option potentially. All it takes is one Damien Williams injury. Um, but I got to admit part of where I'm looking at right now for, you know, in round nine is not a bad way to go is the quarterback position. Um, I am definitely looking at that. <sighs> this one gets really tough because they're all receivers that really make a lot of sense right now. Um, I don't like Daryl Hendelson. I think he's overrated, but speaking of the LA Rams, I am going to go with their quarterback. I am going to go with Jared Goff and the reason I'm going to wow. go. So I'm going to go with Jared Goff because if Gurley's not going to run the ball the way we say he's not going to run the ball, and Daryl Henderson isn't the running back we think he's going to be, and I honestly don't, and John Kelly and whatever other Malcolm 60, Brown, Malcolm Brown or whatever 65 other running backs the Rams got in the background, <laughs> they can do what they want, but they're going to have to either turn to Gurley 
And if they can't turn to Gurley, they've got three fantastic weapons at least. Yeah. Take maybe five if Gerald Everett maybe gets his th- stuff in gear. And is Josh Reynolds still there? And Josh Reynolds still is the fourth receiver. And they've got Everett and Tyler Higby as tight ends. Jared Goff is going to throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. Jared Goff's time to become a top 10 quarterback is this season. That's Hey, look, he looked absolutely lethal at times last year. He looked like what he did. I mean... You know what's interesting? This is actually good. So we got a bit of a break in the picks here. So when Mike and I first started hanging out, before we even ever recorded an episode of Unscripted, is interesting. We were at Original Joe's and we were having a chat. We're talking sports. And this is how this all came about, about. And I remember I started talking about Greg Olson. Not the tight end, but the quarterback's coach. And <laughs> Right? And I was talking about how he made Blake Bortles, you know, passable at times. And I remember Mike just reacted like, geez, you know, Blake Bortles, like you, you know, who a court, you know, you can talk about a quarterback's coach because Mike's not used to being able to find somebody who can talk that in depth necessarily in just, you know, everyday Calgary life. So how good is he? Not only did he help with Jared Goff, he has now done the impossible. You now have to, even if nothing happens in the regular season, he's had a couple of preseason games where Greg Olson has made Nathan Peterman look like an NFL quarterback. Yeah. That, that is the Mount Rushmore of achievement for a quarterback coach. The biggest piece of shit we've seen in the NFL in years, Nathan Peterman, Mr. Five Interceptions in One Half of Football, the guy who looks like he has no idea what he's doing, like he walked into the wrong stadium playing the wrong sport. He needs a shoe deal. <laughs> like, I, and I mean, and here he is, he's rushing for 50 yards in one play, and he's throwing like with no interceptions, and he's just no problem, life's easy, the NFL's easy, I'm so good at this now. Greg Olson deserves to be put in the Hall of Fame just for that, and I just think it's amazing what he did with Goff too, and of course McVay is a big part of that, and you're right, as long as the offensive line holds up, that's a great pick. The only thing I would have questioned with you uh, on there is I don't know if you needed Goff in round nine. Could you not have gotten him at the like in round fifteen? Honestly, uh, you know what? Honestly, anything's possible, right? I mean, you look at where uh, this is part of where um, in this in this section of the draft it is important to know who you're drafting with. And let's be honest, we're drafting with ten guys who are probably living in their parents' basement. Like, there's probably like. There's probably 10 guys that are like yep. combined age of the three of us in this room right now drafting. So you never know where what guys are going to do. There is a point in every draft when you get past about, I'm going to say round eight, because you're going to cover your flex spots. You're going to cover your tight end. You're going to cover your quarterback. Once you kind of get past that point, you have to start looking at guys you want. And if that means you reach around, you reach around, mm-hmm. right? I just said reach around. Not what I meant. Mm-hmm. It's not, not the point. I knew it. I know. So... If, if you have to go and reach for a guy that you want, you take him. And if I could get Jared Goff in round 15 and it looks like I, if that's the way it plays out, maybe, or maybe I just picked a quarterback and started a quarterback run that lets me get the guys I want down the road. There is some strategy involved. I remember a couple of years ago in our work draft where I picked, uh, intentionally because there were some guys I really wanted, but I wasn't sure they were going to fall to me. So I intentionally took a quarterback and it was about round five and I'm not really big on that, but the round five quarterback I picked was, I want to say it was Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers. Out of nowhere, you started to see, and I got six guys between me and my next pick took quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, you know, if you're confident in the guy you want, it doesn't matter if you start the run. 
And I'm happy to be the guy that starts a run. Like I took, you know, I mean, Zach Ertz isn't going to start the tight end run this year. The tiers aren't like that. But when the quarterbacks are so close together and there's so much opportunity, running backs, wide receivers, they're going to get taken all the time. You're going to get picked. Most of your picks are going to be that. But quarterback this year is the is the pick. And it's the position where if you can pick the guy you want, even if it looks like you're reaching a little bit, you might start to make other people think, oh, well, I don't have my quarterback. I better get him now before the next guy wants him. And then by the time your next pick is up, the guy that you thought was near the top of the board is still sitting at the top of the board. And you're like, thank you very much. I would like to say real quick that um, about your pick of Mark Ingram of the Baltimore Ravens. No, late, you didn't get him, did you? I didn't. You I didn't get him? him? Okay, you wanted him? I really okay, did. I think that's going to be a good pick because for the simple fact, yeah. as soon as Lamar Jackson gets his ass kicked for trying to take on 330-pound defensive linemen, as soon as they figure <laughs> out he can't throw and he's one-dimensional, Mark Ingram is going to become a very integral part of that Ravens offense moving forward. And I think whoever did get him, uh, made a good pick there. I really do. I think that uh, Mark Ingram is going to be a is going to be a good player in this uh, in this form of of fantasy football for sure. Yeah. Okay, Sean's on the clock. I am on the clock. Boy, oh boy, there. So, so for example, we're what twenty picks later, and Peyton Barber's still there. Good example. Not that I think I would want him, but he's there. He's available. Um, gee whiz, there's some really good options here. Um, looking at my roster, I've got. A backup running back. I've got a backup wide receiver. I could just start keep. I could keep loading up um, potential players for wide receivers and flex spots. Um, you know, there is a guy that's out there that I think that I'm probably going to take this round because I think I can get the next guy I want after you guys, and that is the top now the top wide receiver in the Denver offense. That's Cortland Sutton. The Cortland Sutton is available Ooh. at the... Kind of lazy, kind of, I don't know. I don't see anything in that guy. Uh, I don't know. You know, again, Cortland Sutton, this is an opportunity for him to kind of make his first round status be what it is. And I'm not, you know, I'd have to quickly gander at um, at Cortland Sutton. Is he, I believe, is he on his third year now? I think he may be. Might be something like that, but I don't. I don't. I don't trust him. What I'm going to quickly do here while you're doing that, I'm going to, uh, yeah. I, uh, Russell Wilson was on the board. He's gone now. I'm gonna. There's no one else I really want right here. So I'm actually in. Going to do what you were talking about. I'm just going to take Philip Rivers now. I don't want to miss out on him. He's always such a solid pick every year. He's always at the bottom of the draft for some reason. He's just sitting there, and he's amazing every year. And now with. You know, the defense not being that great. Again, uh, love Phillip Rivers. But anyway, sorry, go ahead about no. uh, Cortland. Well, no, Cortland. Yeah, so Cortland, it looks, if, if I'm, you know, I'd have to, again, I'm still not finding what I want to around it, but I do believe Cortland is in his third year. And, you know, for people listening that, you know, a, a piece of advice I really wanted to bring in for people who maybe are a bit newer or don't know the game as well it, around fantasy is, Third-year wide receivers is actually a stat that is regularly well-managed by fantasy experts around the world because of the fact that it is been known to see the year. It's the year where high-end wide receivers often make their mark. They finally put themselves in a position where they are number one receivers. The game slows down enough, they get it. And so when I look at my lineup right now, just for, for some clarity, I have Mike Williams, I have D.D. Westbrook, and I have Cortland Sutton, who all fall in that bracket of guys who are third-year wide receivers. The intent here is to try and drive 
as much value as I can in all of my roster spots so that, um, you know, by the time week 10 rolls around, you know, and they're on buy for Cortland Sutton and Dee Westbrook, uh, I may be able to trade them. Like, who knows? Maybe they'll get good enough that, you know, they'll have enough value for me to package him with a David Montgomery who might be struggling as a rookie running back and go get myself a stud running back. Maybe I'll trade both of those guys to you and you can give me carry on Johnson. <laughs> we'll I'm see. open to options. All right. So uh, there's really only one pick I see that I like here. I want to give Mike some more choice in the, on the last couple picks here, but uh, I would like, and we have just taken Devin Singletary of the Buffalo Ooh. Bills who I think will be the number one running back in Buffalo sooner rather than later because all that's in front of him with and the improved offensive line and the scrambling threat, Josh Allen with the big arm, all that's in front of him are the 156-and-a-half-year-old Frank Gore plodding along doing his best and LaShawn McCoy, who, in fairness, I'd love to insult him, but he looked pretty good in the preseason so far, but it looked more like they're showcasing him for a trade uh, I, Devin Singletary's look great. I like him. Buffalo traditionally is a rushing offense. I think they're really going to, I think they're going to do like a less ridiculous version of Baltimore where they have a lot of rushing, a lot of stuff on the ground. So I like Devin Singletary here. Uh, so that's why I did that. And Sean reacted like he was saving that one. That was the ace up the sleeve. Sorry about that. Who are you picking? You got uh, 30 seconds left. Oh my goodness. I am up again. Well, you don't say she was. All right. Um, Again, when we talk about guys that you want to kind of save or guys that you want to look at at this space, um, there's not the, uh, like, I don't love all the options that exist here, but um, it's a PPR league, mm-hmm. and that means that Adam Humphreys has some value for Oh, me. I like that pick. So I am going to take Adam Humphreys. Yeah, I heard, I, I was, I was, I, I listened a lot to some of the uh, fantasy other radios, and I heard someone say the other day, that the un, their unpopular fantasy projection of the year was that Adam Humphreys was going to get more points in PPR leagues than Chris Godwin or Kenny Galladay. And I mean, I think that's a little bit rich, but it's entirely possible. The guy is a slot machine. He could catch 10 passes a game, never hit the end zone, but 10 points, you know, half PPR, that's five points. Full PPR, that's 10 points. Like wide receivers mean something in, in PPR leagues and guys like Adam Humphreys, I mean, I don't think Mariota can throw the ball more than 20 yards anyway, so... Well, I mean, they, they've been saying that Ryan Tannehill has been upstaging him and that this is somewhat an open quarterback competition, which to me is a bit crazy because Ryan Tannehill is one of those guys like a Blake Bortles or someone like that who I think is a, a great backup but a terrible starter, so I don't like him there. But yes, Mariota, at least, if nothing else, has loved Adam Humphreys, targeting him like crazy. The slot receiver craze is alive and well i think what he should have done that guy you talked about instead of claiming he's going to be galladay or something uh i think what he should have done would say be say maybe he'll if you want to make a bold prediction compared to other slot receivers say that you think adam humphreys could beat geronimo allison in fantasy points or beat jameson crowder in fantasy points say say something like that don't just put him against number one receivers and make ridiculous predictions because if that happens I'll be shocked I do like Adam Humphreys I thought he looked great last year in Tampa Bay I think that was a great pickup for an offense that's not a dynamic big time greatest show on turf type of passing offense even if Mariota's fully healthy which he seems like he never is so great pick I had my eye on Adam Humphreys there but I need to go I think more with running back depth here uh, coming up here so uh, that's what I'm looking at 
Uh, Mike, other thoughts on the season upcoming or players that you've thought of or just what else is on your mind? Well, um, <laughs> I had to excuse myself like Steve Keim does, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals during draft day and go drink a six-pack real quick. Um, you know, um, I, I'm a newbie at this, so I'm just trying to absorb as much information as I can. Um, I, I, What do I think this year? I think it's going to be another offensive-driven year. I think that the defenses are handicapped by the way uh, offensive pass interference is called. I think it's uh, defenses are handicapped about the way you can use your hands in offensive line play. I think that the, the, uh, the defense is handicapped playing defense in general. So um, I'm just sitting here learning a lot today. Um, I'm just enjoying this. So you guys just keep doing what you're doing <laughs> and just make sure we win again, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Well, no Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, one thing I just realized is we've got the Philip Rivers, Hunter Henry stack. So when the Chargers are on by, I don't worry too much about bye weeks, but when the Chargers are on by, that might be kind of a pain. But the thing is, throughout the year, even a few weeks in, your roster will probably change so much. Guys will change and everything, and I wouldn't worry about that too much right now. You know, it's really interesting. There's a strategy that I'm considering looking at for one of the two main leagues that I'm in, either the one I run at work with with uh, our, our, our friend Chris here, uh, as well as my keeper league. And it's a strategy that is really, I've heard it's very unpopular, but I'm not sure why, because when you put the logic behind it, I'm going to try and get as many guys as I can with the same bye week for about the first four or five weeks. Now, you might think I'm insane, and Chris, you're looking at me like I'm insane, and I appreciate that. It's not the first time, but the reality here is, so if you have 14 or 13 weeks in a regular season where you're running up against other fantasy players, how many weeks are you regularly subbing guys in and out for buys? It happens all the time, right? You want to be relatively strong every week, right? Or you could be at your strongest every week except one. Do we, how many guys, have you ever played in a league where anybody's gone like run the table? I've never played in a fantasy league where someone has literally gone, done a 16 and 0. It's, it's rare. Right? It doesn't happen. So you're going to lose a week. I would rather be as strong as I can and have all of my options in as many of my bye weeks as I can. And maybe I should have done that with this draft, and I kind of did when I realized I have McCaffrey and Mike Evans in, in, in week seven on a bye. But they're together. There is some theory to the fact that you can be as strong as you can in all but one week of your fantasy season and potentially win more games than you would if you're at 80%, 85%, for how many weeks are there buys? We got nine weeks of eight weeks of buys worth. I think week five, four five, six, until seven, week twelve. So that'd be nine. Nine weeks. So you got nine potential weeks where you are at anywhere between eighty-five to ninety percent, or I could be at eight of those weeks, almost at a hundred. I think I know which one I'd rather be at. And it's totally theoretical, and I admit I've never done it, and I don't want anybody who's listening to this to go, oh, well, I had this cool advice about picking everybody in my bye week. To be clear, this is not tested. This is like, you know, it's like a brand new drug. I haven't tested it. I think it works, <laughs> but we're not sure, right? We'll see how it goes, but I think in one of my leagues, I'm going to try it just to see how it plays out so that next year when I, you know, when I have an opportunity to talk about this stuff with everybody again, it'd be really interesting to see how you do in the, in those leagues. 
right? Um, you know, I'm considering it my keeper league. It's a lot of money I'm paying in, but you know, I, I know there's an opportunity for me to get two guys, crazy wide receivers who have the nine week buy and why not? Right. Well, I appreciate the out of the box thinking there, <laughs> Huey Lewis, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah he the, had some great music. Yeah. <laughs> you know what the, you know what was so brilliant was, uh, uh, what's his song that Weird Al made fun of? Um, Addicted to Love, and then Weird Al changed it to Addicted nope. to Spuds. No, that's not Huey Lewis. Oh, that's, that's, not a... that's Robert Palmer. That's Robert Palmer. Palmer. Thank you. Right. Why There's, are we not? Why do we the don't same have, person? We don't have an 80s soundtrack <laughs> here to like play this person. rest of this draft too. Anyways, anyway, not the point. you're you're on the draft, and someone just took Kareem Hunt, who even when I did draft him earlier this year, I've just dropped him. I don't want that suspended thing sitting on there for ten weeks or whatever. I have three bench spots and two starter spots left to fill. Uh-huh. You know, a couple of picks later, looking at some of the, like, again, what do I got for wide receiver or running backs? Because realistically, I think my wide receiver pool is about as full as I think I'm prepared to make it right now. Well, I know it hasn't been a great look in preseason, but I really think there's a chance for Kalen Ballage to potentially be the starter Ooh, in risky. Miami. It is risky. But I'm all about risky business. There's okay. another 80s reference. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I caught it. I caught That's it. That's what I'm trying to do here today. Um, but okay. yeah, I'm going to go with Kalen Ballage. Okay, so here uh, I'm going to go. It's really tough in the at the end of the 12th round. It's tough to find starting running backs, and I want running back depth. However, because of Melvin Gordon's holdout, Austin Eckler, you could argue, is maybe the top running back. But last year late, I picked up Justin Jackson a lot. And he was amazing for me in fantasy as the more traditional running back. Austin Eckler, I don't know if they'll give him more touches or not. Either way, he's more of that uh, that little sort of pass catcher. Great for PPR, don't get me wrong. But you can't get Austin Eckler at the end of the 12th round. So I am going to, because I want running back depth here, we're going to go with Justin Jackson of the Los Angeles should-be San Diego Chargers. That is a fantastic pick. Thank you. Thank you. And now, I don't say that to you often. I know. I so, know. you know. It's okay. Well, we'll see what Dr. Lipschitz does with his back-to-back picks here. And then uh, who is picking there? By the way, at this point in my draft last night, where I was drafting for my buddy, at the end of the 12th round, pick 141, I got Russell Wilson. Which, I don't care if you want to leave quarterbacks at the end. I looked at that, and I'm like, I was going to leave it right till the very end. I thought, I can't say no. Russell Wilson last year was going about 41st overall. Now he's 141st. Russell, nothing's changed for Russell Wilson. He's a top four fantasy quarterback every year. He takes his team from zero wins to 10 just by being on the field. How the hell has Russell Wilson fallen so far in fantasy rankings this year? What, what, what happened there? If we could rewind this podcast back to our oh, Tyler Lockett conversation, say. you'd probably understand oh, a bit man. of why I'm going to shove Tyler Lockett so far down your throat when he has, when he goes for 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns. Oh, gee, better not get his head taken off by returning a <laughs> kick, but that's not the point. Um, anyway, that is why Russell Wilson is falling. I don't love Russell Wilson this year. I've heard that he, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. It's not. It's not necessarily invalid. Russell Wilson will get his yards, but I have a feeling he's going to need to use his feet again, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to get it done. That, all that's the time. fair. That's fair. No, just, but I, I still think he's an incredible value, though. If, if you can get Russell Wilson at the end of the twelfth round, I know. Yeah, I, I, if you can get Russell Wilson at the end of the twelfth round, that's a great value, no matter oh, how you slice 100%. it. Hundred percent. That is a great value, and that's all there is to it. You have to take him at some point. Yeah. Okay. So now it's our pick again, and then Sean right after us. So I'm going to for this. I want more running back depth. I am going to use some rationale that Mike used a few minutes ago. So Mike was talking about 
the rushing offense and how Lamar Jackson might get murdered. And even if he doesn't, he kind of sucks at throwing the ball, uh, which is traditionally something important for a quarterback in the NFL. Maybe not anymore. I don't know. And the great uh, the great rushing offense, and they're saying it's going to be all about the run, all about the run. And John Harbaugh is claiming they are going to get more rushing attempts and especially more quarterback rushing attempts uh, than any team in history. And of course, you've got Mark Ingram as the number one running back, but the number two running back has looked fantastic here. I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Ingram doesn't look as good as this guy or just gets hurt and this guy gets to be the number one running back in an amazing offense. This gentleman's name is Justice Hill, and he's looked fantastic. And just like I like the the big upside guys on my bench, you get your, your Devin Singletary's or your Darwin Thompson's or your guys, instead of having just kind of like vanilla milk toast uh you know number two receivers on your bench that they might get a few points i want the boomer bust guys i want guys that right now are whatever and they are going to either at the i can either drop them because they're useless or they're a starting running back it's one of the two and we pick up because there's always going to be surprises no one's thought of going on here so uh who did am i up now uh what happened there did you pick something i didn't mean to uh, let's see here. Well, let's see what happened there. Where is your... Did I leave? I don't know. I didn't mean to. Oh, let's see. Well, let, uh, where are you? Let's see. Is your, are you in the thing? Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm in there. What did it do for me? Oh. It took Anthony Miller because apparently I left the draft for too long and didn't see my time. It expired. So oh, okay. Learning for everybody. Never <laughs> let your time expire. I had a good option here. I had a... You know, people say, I have something for this. I had something for this, but it's fine. I'll figure out. Well, you can always drop and pick someone else up. But what do you think of Anthony Miller this year? Any interest? Well, I have, you know, again, in the spirit of not wanting kind of to go duplicating your running back wide receiver option. um, If I have David Montgomery, I'm not going to be cheering for Anthony Miller. But I do think Anthony Miller's got some options. I think how good that Bears defense is is going to dictate whether that team throws the ball or runs the ball. And I'm confident they are going to be good enough to let them run the ball a whole lot because they're going to game flow and they're going to run the ball a whole lot. But in games when they're behind, I do know Anthony Miller is a target for that team in a big way. In fact, I think he could be the number one receiver on that team. So maybe that ends up being a good pick for you. So all we got left is one more bench spot and then a defense and a kicker. So uh, we're the, it's, it's winding down. Uh, any other yeah. thoughts on anything there, Mike, including two full seasons and two full years of unscripted? <laughs> well, um, that's not a loaded question. Um, <laughs> unscripted, uh, 384 episodes in. Did I think it was going to get past 30 episodes? No, I really didn't. Um, we couldn't get the damn computer hooked up, and, and uh, then we had... Uh, a little bit of an albatross from a former friend of mine from Seattle that went rogue and, and uh, Chris had to pick up uh, and take over. And I still have no computer skills to get to 384 in two years. No, I don't think uh, I don't think we would have ever gotten here, but I'm glad that we did. And uh, I think the shows have gotten better. And uh, slowly but surely, I think we're p- picking up a, a listenership. And uh, I'm still having fun doing it. And uh, as long as that's the, if that's the main ticket, then I think that there's no reason to stop doing it. Um, if it becomes a burden or it becomes difficult, then uh, I'll be the first one to go do a Ron Barr on your ass. But um, if you can tell, I'm not a fan of Ron Barr. Um, 
Ron Barr was a legend in his own mind that didn't know shit. The only thing was is that he owned a national radio broadcast, so we all had to pretend that we liked him. But um, I enjoy Chris' company, and uh, I hope that we have another 384 episodes in us. Well, my goal is to get to 1,000. That's what I really want to say. But, okay, you must have played Sega Genesis growing up, right? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, okay, I bet that's an understatement. Um, do you recognize the name Ron Barr? I could pretend like I did, but if I said I did, I feel like I'd probably be insulting your co-host. So the answer is no, I don't recognize no, it's Ron not an Barr. Insult. It's, it's, someone saying they don't know Ron Barr is the least insulting thing you can say to Mike Jansen. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> That's but, what I'm saying. I don't want to say I know him. I don't I, want to be like, yeah, okay. oh, I know that guy. No, did you ever play NHL 93, NHL 94 for the Sega Genesis? Not on the Genesis. I had, I had my Nintendo, my Super Nintendo. That was more... Okay, fine. Game. Same thing. When you first load up the game and there's a guy in a sports jacket talking, blah, blah, blah. Tonight's matchup, blah, blah, blah. That's Ron Barr. Oh, come on. That is Ron Barr. That is so unfortunate. Because <laughs> the guy sounds like a dick. <laughs> like, I mean. Let me give you a little news flash. He is a dick. <laughs> let me tell you. Well, um, I, I you should, know, sorry, go ahead. I, I, no, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, um, I, I just will say this. I think we had some very talented at hosts. Back in the day at Sports Byline USA, based out of San Francisco, I think we had some very talented hosts. And unfortunately, we had to... And this is the beauty part of... Do you guys got a pick coming up? Uh, he, he no, no, no. He's I picking, but he's listening. Let's see I'm listening. No, but I'll I, tell you my pick later. But I, I got to tell you that, that we were hamstrung, and this is why the podcast has been so enlightening for me it has allowed me to really express my opinions and if you listen to the shows from 25 years ago they were quite opinionated but they weren't as uh vocabularily <laughs> and i don't even know if that's a word but they were not as saucy as they are now and i just think that ron could have opened his mind up a little bit and allowed these hosts to do their thing and allow their hosts to ron really in my opinion ron really uh, silenced us. Yeah. And, and that's a shame, you know, because if you're doing uh, straight caller driven shows, the callers are taking the time to call you for your opinion. And if you're not able to give that full opinion, or you're worried about what you're going to say, because I've been fired from a lot of jobs in life, but I've never been fired from a radio job. Ron Barr didn't even fire me. And I've told Ron to do some things that, you know, you can't even say on a podcast. And, I still didn't get fired. Brody got fired, but I'm just saying that I, I think we had some really talented hosts and I just wish we could have really allowed us to do what we really wanted to do. That's, I guess, what I needed to say. That's but fair. that's the beauty part of, of these uh, podcasts and that's the part that I've enjoyed the most. No, for sure. It's good. Well, okay, yeah, go ahead with your pick that you made there. And it's and you're up now as well, too. Yeah, I'm going to go with my pick first, and then we can kind of talk about what we both did, because I think two picks have gone past. Yeah, so. we have, yeah. Okay. So I got to the end of round, was it 14? Yeah. And as, you know, we talk about, there's a lot of concept of handcuffing. Um, I was lucky enough to get Christian McCaffrey, who doesn't really have one. Um, I was also lucky enough to get Latavius Murray, who was basically your handcuff to some degree for your top running back. 
So I decided to go get somebody else's handcuff, and that was Alexander Madison from Minnesota. If Dalvin Cook is as injury-prone as we talk about, Alex Madison is a game-winning, it is a it is a league-winning upside pick, um, and that offense is committed to the run, no questions asked. Their defense is phenomenal. There is no doubt about the fact that that team is going to run the ball, and if Dalvin Cook's healthy for 16 games, well, then I just picked a guy in the 15th round I never used. But if I if he does get hurt, like he's got hurt the last two seasons... Somebody is going to pick up the slack, and I and and it has to be Madison. He looks too good right now. I don't know if it has to be him though, because Mike Boone has looked fantastic as well in the preseason. In fairness, so I'm not even 100 percent sure that Madison gets that backup role. To be honest, I, I know that with fantasy rankings, everyone's like, "Yeah, it's Madison for sure." I don't know. I was I was watching our buddy Greg has always has uh, you know brought me up to Paul Allen and the great commentary job that he does on the radio as a complete homer for the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, I was watching him, you know, gush all over uh, Mike Boone last night. And so, and interesting, I mean, you're probably right, but I'm just, I'm a little unsure. And plus that O-line leaves something to be desired there too. So for our uh, two picks we made there, for our final bench spot, I went with Mecole Hardman, who is Tyreek Hill Jr. in Kansas City. If Tyreek gets hurt, they have another Tyreek named Mecole Hardman. He already gets busted for something, even though, as we said the other day, he was totally cleared of not only... Uh, breaking his son's arm, but also of hitting his girlfriend years ago. Both stories were made up, according to the police now. So good for Tyreek Hill, which is great. Uh, And then I went with the guy I've been drafting as a kicker lately, Mike Badgley of the Chargers, which makes it funny because now I've got quarterback, tight end, and kicker, all of the Chargers. But I like to make my kickers as... Because I don't really care about kickers. They're all similar. I like to make them with a bye week as late as possible so you can just leave them there and then just, you know, not have to think about it. And, like, you pick I a great kicker. It. Yeah, you I make a great it. kicker in week, and he has a bye week in week four, and it screws up everything. So uh, I'm glad you appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a little I, I'm a little bigger fan of trying to find a guy who also picks in a dome stadium. So I mm-hmm, kind of look sure. at the dome stadium piece and then combine that with the latest bye week and see how far I can go. Um, if you also have a really terrible offense, you're also bound to be in a good place, which is why... My pick is up, and since I do need a pick or a kicker, Who's Detroit's I, kicker. That's cute. It's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Mark. It's Mark Prater, by the way, who and Matt who, Prater, who, who because he has already actually been drafted. Thank you very much. Obviously, somebody else saw that coming. Uh, that I, one was just left oh, back. literally, Pat Prater just went on the last pick. Literally you. picked the pick before me. So I look at offenses that I'm not sure are going to do a ton. And there is no offense, I think, that is going to do less outside of one player that I wish I had drafted than in Saquon Barkley than the Giants. So I will take the Giants kicker, Roses, who was fantastic last year. He'll get a lot of work. Uh, He will. On top of that, um, my pick before, I, I, you know, we had two picks before there. The one I didn't mention that I took already because that's why allowed me to take a kicker at the end. I went for my defense. And the most underrated defense without question in this draft is the Dallas Cowboys. And I took the Dallas Cowboys defense. They have three absolute studs in their linebacker core. Mm -hmm. And that is where, that's where you make or break your defense. You have a line that can rush, which they do. They have a secondary that can, that can be, you know, ball hawks, which they, it's not going to cost linebackers are where you make your mark. I'm a Detroit fan and I can tell you how absolutely brutal it's been to not have a linebacker since Chris Spielman. That's any good. And so I do, I, we still don't have one and that's why everybody puts up 35 on Detroit, right? 
But D- Dallas has three linebackers that Jalen Smith and this Vander Esch kid, like they just Sean Lee's still there. Like they've got so many options of guys uh, and they're young. And these guys are like 23, 24 years old. And they're going to carry that defense for a long time. I had the chargers as a high pick here, but knowing that I can get the Cowboys now, knowing what I know about the chargers defense, I am way more invested in the Cowboys defense. It's just too good this year. I think it'll make up. And if Elliott signs, watch out. Yeah, you know what? There's two defenses that I'm targeting. One is the Cowboys. I like to look at ice stream defenses. So I like to look at the schedule. And there's two teams that are playing, in my opinion, shitty offenses in the first three weeks of the season. One of them is the Dallas Cowboys. And the other one is the team that I decided to take with our last pick. And I'll get no argument from Mike because we took the Green Bay Packers as the defense and I think their defense is going to be much improved all of a sudden they have a great top to bottom roster on both sides of the ball except for as we keep saying backup quarterback which is a complete Darth which is about their backup quarterback situation is about as good as the Detroit Lions linebacking corporation uh, core situation uh, which you are which you just said and you can't give me the finger because you just said that and you're totally right I can do what I they want have an do. abomination of a linebacking core uh, they've, they've lost some of their guys. I guess they have Trey Flowers now because he wants to play with Matt Patricia. But uh, Darius Slay is uh, about their only good guy back there, like in, in, the, in the secondary. And uh, it's scary. I hope they go in and kick the shit out of Arizona because I'm re- in week one because I'm really sick of this Arizona Cardinals story. It pisses me off more and more each week. I don't want to touch any person or defense or anything I don't even want the kicker. I don't want anything to do with the Arizona Cardinals this year. That's all I have to say about that. And I hope Detroit destroys them in week one. And even Mike is predicting Detroit to beat Arizona in week one. Because this whole Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury experiment is a joke. And I hope it gets exposed sooner rather than later. But uh, we've gone way over our time. But it is the season finale and it was a special occasion. Uh, I'm going to shut up now. Any other last comments or questions for Sean or anything else, Mike? No, I, I want to thank Sean for taking time out of his weekend to come in here. This was very informative. I truly appreciate it. And again, we thank Sean Nichols for coming in as our fantasy football expert. We truly appreciate it. And as Chris had mentioned, this is our season two season finale, episode number 384 of Unscripted. We plan on getting together next week over Labor Day, yet to be determined, but obviously we are going to start season number three with a preview of the National Football League, which should be very exciting this year, uh, regardless of Jane Goodell's husband keeps trying to screw it up. Um, But it's going to be a fun season. I look forward to it. I thank Chris. I thank uh, Sean. I look forward to uh, who's coming next week. Right, yeah, I, I, I really, inv- I really look forward to having Ryan in, in studio. That should be a lot of fun. But I want to thank everybody for, you know, two years. Um, again, we talked about this briefly earlier. Did I ever think we'd get to episode three eighty four? No, but we're here now. Chris's goal is a thousand. I hope I live to a thousand after all the the health issues that I've had the last couple of years. Feeling better, but uh, I thank Chris for everything he's done to get us to this point. Because if we'd expected me to get us to this point in regard to the electronic part of it, the IT part of it, we'd still be at episode one of Unscripted. And at that point, it would probably be just be Mike. So, um, and I couldn't sit here and talk to myself into a microphone. That would just get boring and, and monotonous after a while. So, Thank you for everybody. I thank Greg. I thank Ryan. I thank the listeners. I thank the guys that have taken time to leave comments on all the different social media avenues. Please continue to do so. You're an integral part of the show. And as we've said, when you take the time, 
to leave us some comments, some questions. We will take the time to answer those questions and make those comments on the air. So we appreciate all of you for that continued support. Having said all that, as we again close our second season, unbelievably, we close our second season of Unscripted of Mike and Chris. I thank everybody. And having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next year, see ya.